That it is. and an attorney here in the great state of New Jersey. I'm joined today with my co-host, um, Marty Mangiello and John Hartman. And we have a very special guest today who I'm super excited about. Uh, his name is Michael Angeli. Uh, many of you probably, hello, Michael. There he is. Hello, pleasure. He, he has had uh, an amazing career uh, in the entertainment business as an author of a couple of books, uh, also as an executive producer and a screenwriter with, um, I think, monstrously successful uh, projects. Uh, you, well, he's Emmy-nominated, uh, Peabody Award-winning writer, and we I can't tell you how excited we are to have you, Michael. Oh, thank you. You flatter me. <laughs> <laughs> And if I could, I want to take, before we get into your your whole career, um, I want to remind people that you, you have a, a blog right now called Sistine Pantry, and it yes. literally kind of starts back at the beginning of your career. Uh, and yeah, I hope, kind of. I hope you're turning going to turn that into a, a memoir of some kind about your life, because I've been following it. It's very interesting. And I tell you, I laughed out loud. Some of the stories, as people may not know, but you actually ghost wrote the um, the book for Roseanne Barr. Yes. And you tell yes. some really funny stories. Could you share one of them with us? Well, I'm sure. Uh, I guess uh, from the very beginning, um, I, I knew Roseanne and Tom because I had done a, when I wrote for Esquire, I had done a profile on Tom Arnold, and so we stayed we stayed friends and we kind of lived in the same neighborhood. And so we got invited to Roseanne and Tom's bar mitzvahs and their parties and, um, and whatnot. And, uh, and so I, I met Rosie and we kind of got to know each other. And then one day I got a call, um, and Tom would call me like little buddy. Hey, little buddy, guess what? Rosie's going to let you write her autobiography. And she's on the other line and says, it's all done, completely done. All you have to do is, you just have to edit it. We're going to pay you a shitload of money, and all you have to do is edit it. I don't know if I'm allowed to say shit. But, yeah, um, you can, we're just streaming, so it's okay. Um, you're going to make a fucking lot of money. Um, so um, we happened to be with the same agency. We were both with William Morris at the time, and 
and they made this incredible deal. I mean, back then, I think it was 1995, I believe, and they were going to pay me, well, they did pay me, like, about $200,000 to edit a book. I'm thinking, wow, this is going to be the easiest money I ever made. So I went to, she said, come and, come and I will give you pages of the book. And this is after we we met a second time and she had 16 personalities at the time. So, um, <laughs> and she was trying to integrate. She was trying to get down to 14. Um, and each, it's funny. I mean, if she was faking, she faked really well because each personality had a, had a, its own voice and its own handwriting and whatnot. So, um, so that kind of was one complication of working on the book, but then the biggest complication was when I went to her house and she gave me the book and it was 12 pages and it was, <laughs> it was a stream of consciousness poem. It was Ian Cummings, had no punctuation or anything, and, and that's all she had. And I tried not to panic. I said, no big deal. We I got this. I totally got we can, we can do this. And, uh, so how long do you, do you have? And they said, Tom and Rosie both said in unison, six weeks. So what they had done is they made a deal with um, Valentine Books, and they took um, – they took a $2 million advance. Oh, my God. They had, they had a year to write the book, and they waited until six weeks were up, and then they called me. So um, so if there was anything like Vietnam, it was that. I had to, during the day, Rosie would tell me stories into my tape recorder, and then at night I would, you know, I would transpose them and try and make some sense out of them and turn them into a book in six weeks. And then on top of that, if you work for Tom and Roseanne, you, you're on 24-hour call, which means if Rosie wants to go out and go party hopping or go to a bar or go to the whiskey or whatever, you have to, you have to go. That's in your contract almost. So um, one night I got a call, and it was PTA night. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I got to go PTA. My wife's not going not to speak to me again if I miss PTA. And Roseanne said, you got to come. I want to go. I want to go out. And you have to get a date for for Tom's assistant. And Tom had this gorgeous assistant who he was sleeping with. And Roseanne and her thinking thought that if I got one of my friends to go out with her and I went out with Roseanne, like on a, you know, we went on a double, double date, that, uh, that everything would be fine. And so the first thing that happened is my wife said, if you go to this thing, I'm going to the Peninsula Hotel and I'm going to stay there for a week. So I'm like freaked out. Like I, I went to see my kids. Uh, uh, I went to the PTA meeting early just to see my, my kid's teacher because I felt so bad. And then I was so depressed when I saw Rosie. She says, what's the matter? You, you look all depressed. Here, take this. And she, she jammed like a black Cadillac in my mouth. And I don't know if you know what black Cadillacs are, but they're incredibly powerful diet pills. My, my mother used to take them and hallucinate that she was St. Teresa. But um, so I, I figured if I swallowed one of these, I'd have a terrible night and I wouldn't be able to work when I got home. So I had to fake like I took it. <laughs> happy. Um, and so we went to this place called the Whiskey, and it wasn't the Whiskey at Go-Go. It was the Whiskey oh. inside the Sunset Marquee Hotel. It's a private, private club. And so the first thing Rosie did was order all of this food. And I'm thinking, wow, I mean, 
she's she's a big lady, but I, why does she want all this food? And then I realized she wanted to throw the food. So she she hit Eric Clapton in the back of the head with a hamburger. She she threw French fries at Shannon Doherty. And so finally, I'm like, this is a bad double date. We really have to you have to get out of here right now. So she said, all right, I want to go to the pleasure chest. Now I don't know if you know what the pleasure chest is, but it's a very famous sort of adult. Uh, bookstore on Hollywood Boulevard and it's open uh, on Sunset Boulevard it's open all night uh, and they sell um, toys they sell sex toys and whatnot so I went there with Rosie and by, by now, now I'm at this point at this point you're imagining the divorce papers in your head right uh, yeah this is, this is hideous <laughs> like it's my like, wife will be quoting this right out of yeah, yeah. 12 30 in the morning so um Roseanne kind of like moseys around this 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 uh, adult bookstore, and she ends up buying forty pieces of it looks like pla fake plastic dog poop, forty of them. And I said, "What what are you, what are you possibly going to do with that?" And she said, "Tomorrow I'm going to put it on all of the desks of my employees." That's their first shit. So that was her that was her big joke to me. Then and she then bought a book. She bought a pair of fake breasts then um, so that we, we could drive up and down Sunset and she could be out of the sunroof and say, look at my breasts to everybody. So that was my evening. My, my wife went to the peninsula and, um, and I, I managed to get the book together, but it was, it was just, you know, event after event like that, there were nightmares and it ended up where Tom and Roseanne would fight constantly they 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 physically they would fight you know and and they try and get me in between them and get them get me to settle their 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 fights and finally i said you know what i am not going to be a party to you know your domestic quarrels you guys are going to have to settle your problems yourself well we want you to come with us you have to come with us and we're going to work on the book and we're going to go to otumwa iowa so otumwa iowa is where tom was from and they Rado O'Reilly's hometown, right? Mash, Rado O'Reilly. Yeah. Wasn't he from there? Yeah. That's right. He was. Um, so they were building their their Xanadu there, which was, you know, it was like this incredibly, I saw the plans for it. They had dug the foundation, but it was like, it really was like Xanadu. It was ridiculously, absurdly large. And they had, uh, they had a mobile home that was probably bigger than my house. Um, near the property where they stayed when they wanted to go to Otumwa because they also had a diner there called the Big Food Diner where they would serve these loose meat sandwiches, very famous. Um, so we went to, we, we were going to go to Otumwa, but I hurt my neck and I was in like this Pez dispenser kind of thing, this Philadelphia collar. And my wife said, you are not going to Otumwa, Iowa with Tom and Roseanne, you have to rest and you have to take care of yourself. So my my wife and Roseanne got this huge argument and my wife hung up on Roseanne and this was a Saturday. Roseanne showed up at the house with a limousine and two like weight lift, weightlifters, bodybuilders to carry me through the airport. And I kid you not, the reigning Miss Iowa was gonna carry my bags. I carried my bags. 
So we, my wife sort of agreed that, okay, you can go as, as long as the weightlifters carry you. So we go to Ottumwa and I try and work on the book, but they want to drive around. And, you know, they like, like sort of wave at some of the farm people because the farm people just loved Tom and Roseanne. So they would just drive around and wave and so, but, but Roseanne and Tom were having this huge argument and I was in the back with Roseanne's assistant and Tom's assistant, both of whom are, are like beautiful, right? Young, beautiful women. Um, so we were like children, the three of us. And Tom and Roseanne kept hitting each other. Roseanne was just pounding on Tom's arm while he was driving. So he, um, he pulled a sweatshirt over her head, her sweatshirt over her head, so she'd stop hitting him. And she hit the door, the, the door latch, the door opened. Thank God we were only going like 20 miles an hour. She fell out of the car and was like running down this, the country road with this sweatshirt over her head. So those are the kind of nightmares that I had after. Um, we I've, finally I've, got got some, I've got some footage here of the mansion if we want to take a peek real quick. Um, I don't know if you if you've seen how it is looking these days, but uh, here, let's take a look, guys, and see what's going on, just uh, out of curiosity at worst. Um, I sure. think everybody, everybody can see uh, my screen, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, now here's what's going on. Given the recent controversies and the Iowa connection, we decided to make the drive down to Eldon this afternoon to take a look at... <laughs> It doesn't. It doesn't look that good. There it is. That's it. That's it. Looks like it's there for The Walking Dead. Yes, Xanadu. <laughs> Rosebud. Well, those trees are pretty big. How long ago was this? Twenty years ago? Twenty-five? Yeah, it's a long time ago. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That looks a bit very different. I would imagine. Yeah. Yes, it does, guys. All right. Uh, one more, too. I just wanted to mention, um, I couldn't help but take a look at the peninsula. Uh, I hope your wife enjoyed the peninsula of Beverly Hills. She did. She did very much. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's, she's uh, in a very nice place. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's uh, about three miles from our home, actually, where she's she spent a number of nights there, actually. Uh, whenever we'd fight, she'd threaten to go to the peninsula, and she would go because it, it was so wow. expensive. But, wow. Yeah, looks, yeah. look. Now, looks I, have a, I have to take you in a because there's so much I want to get to in such a short period sure. of time. Now, I know the uh, first, I believe the first project you sold was was a sketch artist. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. With Sean Young and Jeff And I were the stars. I, I was very curious, the first time you saw something that you wrote actually being performed, what was that experience like? Well, I was sort of, um, I was kneaded and stewed like meat. I mean, because I had seen it made and it was such a, it was another like really enervating experience. You know, I really didn't expect it to be that way. I thought it was going to be all seashells and balloons and lovely and it was just such a such a excruciating experience to um, to to see it be made. And plus, I didn't like Jeff Fahey as a star. I thought that he would he lacked some intellect a little bit for the role. Um, he was very good, but I, I he wouldn't he wouldn't have been my first choice. But 
but then, yes, yeah, seen it made. We had a big, um, uh, we we had a screening and at the uh, at the let's see the Directors Guild in in Hollywood, and uh, Mickey Dolez was there. Talk about dropping names, um, and it was really terrific to see it made. It really was. It was, um, you know, it was. Um, I, I had envisioned it many, many times of seeing my stuff on the big screen. And like now I saw it and, and there was one line and that I tried to get changed, but I fought with the director to the nail and it was Baden Papa Michael, who was a very famous cinematographer. Um, and he, but he directed this film, Sketch Artist. And the line was, we need some DNA. We need a DNA sample. And he changed it to, we need a pubic hair. <laughs> not play. It was like everybody laughed unintentionally when they heard that line. So, um, but it was a great experience. I I, I can't complain. I, I mean, it was really was terrific. Can I ask a question? I'm, I'm just curious. I mean, I, you're a fantastic writer. Are you naturally a good writer, or did you just did you develop it? Do you work at it? I mean, you obviously can work write well and write quickly as well. How? Yes. How did you get about doing? How do you go about doing well, that? Well, you know, I mean, I've, I've asked myself that same question many, many times. And I really do, I mean, I had no experience, no no inkling or no, um, I didn't want to be a writer when I was a kid. I wanted to be an architect and, you know, I designed buildings that look like hot dogs and stuff like that. But, um, but as far as being a writer, it never occurred to me until I was, you know, in my, in my 20s. Um, and I was a psych major, and I got to my senior year at uh, UW, and I took a double major. I took psych and English, and psych got so incredibly boring. It got into statistical inference, so I switched majors, and I went for um, for writing and creative writing. But um, I don't know. All I can say is I, I, I mean, I, I either feel like a, an imposter or a savant, one of the two. So... Um, but I enjoy it. I mean, that's the main thing is like, I just love it. And a lot of my friends who are writers, they absolutely, they despise writing. They like seeing it done, but I mean, I just enjoy the process. And like when I'm, when I'm writing something or writing a script, um, the first thing I do every day is I, I read what I wrote and edit what I wrote just because I, I just love to read it and I love to feel it and be, be around it and touch it and, um, so to answer your question, I really don't know, <laughs> frankly. Um, you've done so many big scale things, Michael. I right. mean, uh, law and order, black sales. What was that yeah. like? I mean, oh, that was, that was the first season. Um, in fact, we shot it in South Africa and I, I have this booklet yet of, of all the design. I, I, I don't know if you can see it, but, um. Designed all the ships are are all like um, all designed in there and, and wow yeah this has all of the the sets that were built in South Africa we made a deal with the South Africans with the government that if they dug this this pool this giant pool is probably as big as two football fields uh, and it was probably I don't know maybe six feet deep and it had all these gimbals and um, and different pulleys where we, we actually built two life-size replicas of pirate ships and, and um, 
we used the pool while we were there and then we gave it to the to the government so but it was an amazing experience it really was so sure i mean got black sales there now and i started yeah. watching it last night because tony uh mentioned black sales and i was right. like oh my gosh so we started i made it to episode three just unbelievable cinematography writing oh, fantastic yeah. yeah the creators of the show were, were, were pretty sharp they had done um some stuff for disney of all of all places but um i had one one kind of weird experience with those guys and that was um they were they had not they didn't have as much experience as i did uh in television working with executives and they wanted to make the hero they wanted to make him gay and i was like yeah that's great that's fine but you really you know you're gonna have to run it past the uh, the executive producers and you know all the people at the studios they said no 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 we want to surprise them I said, oh man, you you can't you can't surprise oh. them like that. Well, not only do we want to surprise them, but we want you to write the episode where the pirate reveals that he's gay. And I'm thinking, oh my God, my my career's over. <laughs> um, putting you so up. I happen to, I, I happen to know the um, the producers, and I sort of I went I did an end around and said, look, these guys they're they're you know they're really a little rambunctious and their their intentions are pure but they want to do this thing and and uh it was god who was the executive who was running stars at the time he had hit his girlfriend in the parking lot of uh of a hotel in las vegas and i can't think of his name right now but um my my son worked for him and i knew him pretty well i don't i can't remember his name um, from sniffing too much glue, and um, Chris Albrecht. Chris Albrecht, that's right. There we I go. talked to Chris, and he said, "Absolutely not." Do these do these kids understand that our audience is fifteen year olds? That fifteen year old boys, and when they find out their hero is gay, what are they going to do? What are they going to think? And these these two guys, these two two partners. They just insisted on doing it, and they ended up doing it, and it worked out just fine. So, you know, there he is. There's Chris. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Great guy. Did great you guy. did you have to uh, stay or live in South Africa for the filming, or I mean, no. Um, well, what I what you would do is if your episode was being filmed, you'd go and you and you'd stay there while your episode was being prepped and while it was being filmed. So I didn't have to be there for everyone, but I was there for probably like six to eight weeks. Um, and it takes, it's on the, you know, it's its at the end of the earth. It takes 23 hours to get there. Just about, you well, fly out of you know, with all of the uh, time changes and whatnot, you just, you feel like you're in another world. Um, and we shot it outside of Johannesburg. So, um, but it was a it was a really terrific experience, and it was a it was a great show too. Went like seven oh, or eight, things, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, twenty fourteen. Uh, yeah, yeah. Episode after episode, uh, you know, kind of Game of Thrones, eight nine uh, series, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah. Yeah, take a couple of months to binge binge all through it. So. Right. How many writers yeah. were for the show? For Black Sails. 
there yes. were let's, there were let's see one two there were eight of us and there were there were, one of them was a writing couple writing pair so there were seven but there were eight writers there so uh, and that's that's at the time that was a very conservative number I and mean, there were some shows on network television that weren't comedies that were dramas that had like 15 16 writers on the show Sure, yeah, third from the sun, I think 16 different writers sitting around a table, you know, per episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. How many writers yeah. total did you say, Michael, for, for Black Sales? Black Sales had seven seasons, I think, seven or eight seasons. Yeah. I left after it. I mean, I just, I, I stayed on for the first um, season and then I got a deal. I got asked to be on another show. That was around the time that. Um, Let's see, what was I doing? Oh, Law and Order Criminal Intent had just offered me a job and I really wanted to write like crime and, and that show. I loved that show when I was a kid. So and it'd been on that long. So how would you get like when you how would you do your research for storylines? For Law and Order? Yes, or anything in general. Well, the research is is, you know, that's like the meat and potatoes. Of, of any show and you know thankfully now we have google and we have all kinds of search engines and but in the very beginning i don't know how they did it i mean now you can you have anything at your fingertips to sit out but um but for me like i, I love being submersed in a in, in a subculture that i know nothing of which is um what i'm doing right now actually with the show that I just sold. I'm calling for help. Your Honor. Hey, Your Honor. Give you questions. Okay, that's a start. Bang. Today's hottest drama. Long DVD. You One of the longest running, most honest. Jerry Erbach. Jerry Erbach, right? Jerry Erbach, yeah. Law and Order Capital. I was on a show and they had Jeff Goldblum was the longest running on TV. Vincent D'Onofrio's place because Vincent D'Onofrio fired him because he would he had some he had a drinking problem, and then we brought him back because Jeff Goldblum wasn't wasn't sort of up to snuff. Was a great guy, just a terrific guy, but he um, he wore his clothes too tight and he wanted to play jazz piano in every episode. So <laughs> you know what? It wasn't going to work. So well, it's not going to be a bad thing for him. Yeah, the Sistine actor. We just went to see uh, the Sistine Chapel for Michelangelo. Oh, right, right. There it is. So well, that was really was my phone again. <laughs> well, to, uh, I have to get into a little bit of Monk, though. Uh, sure. What was that like? I mean, that show was a favorite of mine. Um, oh, so I know. I, yeah, I mean, you, the quirky OCD, yeah. and yeah. Yeah, that's actually based. That's based on a real person, who is the he is my entertainment attorney's brother. Um, my entertainment lawyer is Tom Hoberman, and Bill Hoberman is who the character is based on. And Bill actually came up with the idea about himself, and talked to uh, Andy, the creator of the show. Um, and Andy wanted me to come on the show, and I was already on a show. And he said, "Well, look, can you can you write a couple episodes for us for freelance?" Um, 
I said, sure. And they wrote all the episodes in New Jersey because um, that's where Andy was from. I'm thinking of Andy's last name and I can't remember it now. Um, but they in Summit, New Jersey is where they, they, they wrote the show. So it was really a terrific experience to go to. Summit is like Cabot Cove, you know what I mean? It's, it's just Here's really quaint. This is the first ever scene of Monk right here, guys. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He's a child. Yeah. I think. Oh, no. It's not. Did you write that? No, no. I wrote um, I wrote Mr. Monk and the, let's see, and the extraterrestrial, I think, and was nominated for. Uh, the 12th Man. Mr. Monk and the 12th Man. And Edgar. Yeah, I wrote that one. I wrote that one, too. But, but for the. Uh, Mr. Monk and I think in the extraterrestrial, I think it was called. Um, I got nominated. Oh, Mr. Monk, I got nominated for for uh, uh, Mr. Monk and the Twelfth Man. Right. For um, um, a, an Edgar Award, yeah, an Edgar Award for the Mystery Award. So, yeah, I would have been on that show in a heartbeat. But first of all, they they wrote it in in. I didn't want to move to New Jersey. But second of all, I was already on a show. But I can't Andy, even why. That, that's the creator, Andy Breckman. Well, Andy wrote right. for Saturday Night Live originally, like one of the first writers. Uh, and then he got this show. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Well, I mean, that had to be a very interesting show to write for. Oh, yeah. He's one of the greater characters uh, ever yeah. created in detective series. Like I'm, I like yeah. Columbo, and uh, I thought Monk fell into that category in terms of detective right. work. And right. it wasn't gory either. Uh, which no, I no. no, that's very true. And Andy's such a terrific writer. And the thing about it is the show has his voice. So if you're writing for the show, you really have to study his voice and, and look at the episodes that he wrote uh, in order to get an idea of like to get to get his his rhythm and and his humor. Um, but he, he's a terrific guy as well. I mean, he's one of the one of the sweethearts that I met in in, in this whole business. So um, I don't know what he's doing now. Probably living off Monk. But <laughs> <laughs> okay, I th are we out of time? I think we yeah. may be out of time. It's too oh well, I will come back. Will and you I come never, back? I never, I never got sure? to get no my back. the helmet out. <laughs> right, right. So many other things to get to. I wanted oh, to man. come to the surface. Would you well, promise, promise us you'll come back? Yes, I promise I will. Okay. Then on that note, we're going to have to let... Uh, Michael, go for the day. I'm sorry, okay. everyone. Right. Uh, make, we'll make this part one, and we will definitely okay. tell him to come right. back. And Tony, you look terrific. Thank you. Okay, you all do. All right, thanks a lot, guys. Thank Take you. Care, guys. Bye.